friends, uh, he is worthy of all praise and honor and blessing. And um, that's my desire this morning is to um, just to point you and remind you of the worthy one who is faithful, even as we uh, at times are unfaithful. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that, um, that you are faithful and that you are worthy of all blessing and praise and honor. And God, we thank you for those um, beautiful words we just sang. And um, Lord, that um, you are living, um, you are reigning, you are ruling, uh, you will see us all the way through. And Lord, I thank you that, um, that uh, as we make plans as uh, individually and as families and as a church, God, that you continually direct and redirect our steps. And I thank you for the love of Christ that we see most clearly on the cross that compels us to uh, love others. And I just pray, Lord, uh, this morning as I um, talk about these uh, concepts, and um, Lord, uh, that you would just be honored and glorified, and that this body would be encouraged and uh, be compelled to love you and love others. And uh, so we thank you for this service. And I thank you for this opportunity. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. Um, so yeah, this is really weird and exciting. Um, the um, one thing I want to say right up front is that, um, is that I, I love you guys. And um, I love this church. And it's been a, a joy to be one of your pastors for 22 years, uh, vocationally for the last 16, 17 years. And there's so many different directions I could have went this morning. Uh, the pastors asked me to preach a shorter sermon than normal. And, um, and there's just a, there's a lot to say. So I just really asked the Lord for clarity and what he wants me to say. And, and uh, so I pray that it lands well. I pray that two things, that the Lord would be honored and glorified this morning. And that you'd be spurred on to uh, give and live your lives in submission to the one who is worthy of all praise and glory and honor. As I was reflecting, and I've done a lot of reflecting the last week, and I just so you know, I've, I've done just, even as I've been writing this, I've shed a lot of tears. And so I'm hoping they're all gone. If they're not, I just want to say something right up front that this, I forgot my hanky at home. So when you see me like wiping my eyes and all that, just like, don't judge me. This is my wife's hanky, and it's better than having snot and, and stuff coming down my face. So I just want to say that up front. Um, there's a couple of passages that the Lord uh, brought to mind that I wanted to encourage you with. And, um, and the, the, really the theme of this morning is twofold. One is the priority of love, and the other is the perfect directing of God. And then I'm going to end with just some, um, just some, um, some encouraging you to practice some gospel disciplines. I'll give you some gospel disciplines to consider. But first, I want to start, start with the, per, the perfect directing of God. Um, God has made us uh, a, a creative human beings. He's made us to plan and to work and to create. And um, um, yet, even the prayerful and thoughtful plans, um, we need to hold loosely. And, um, and that's part of my story. And it's, it's part of what I'm going to share this, this morning is that um, this church and you as individuals, that you've been given, uh, we've been given a, a unique purpose and we've been given uh, a, a heart of creativity. And, um, but as we, as we plan and as we create, we're to hold those decisions loosely, our imperfect plans loosely so that the Lord can perfectly direct and redirect our steps. 
Uh, Proverbs 16.9 says this, you know this, that the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. This morning, I'm going to take us down a walk down memory lane. And much of what I share is the history of this church as it's been experienced through uh, my eyes and in Nancy's eyes as well. And, and I just want, if I, if I could, like a warm blanket, I have Nancy up here with me the entire time. Because couldn't couldn't have done any of this with, without her. Um, you'll see um, our imperfect plans um, as a family and as a church. And you'll see um, God in his perfection directing and redirecting our plans. We're all shaped by people that have, go, uh, that have gone before us. And you know, the older I get, I want to know the stories of my family. I want to know like the, the highs and lows, the peaks and valleys of people that have gone before me, that have helped um, shape the hearty DNA um, over the years. What, what plans did they make? What trials and joys were experienced? And how did the Lord direct, uniquely direct my ancestors' steps? So I hope that me sharing some of what we experienced over the last 22 years will give you grateful hearts to the Lord for what he's done. And then secondly, compel you to get out of your boat of comfort and pursue what the Lord uniquely has for you, the assignment that the Lord has for you. And we don't always know what tomorrow's assignment is today. So there's certain questions that we need to be asking. So let me take you down a walk down memory lane. If it, would you do that with me? So the year was 1999. And our family of five had been growing in our faith at Mountain View Community Church for five years. Nancy and I were just over 40 years old. We were that young. And we had three kids that were 13, 11, and 7, Natalie, Mitchell, and Joey. I had just applied in 1999 to, uh, to be... Uh, to be in the Pastors Leadership Institute program at Mountain View. Um, I, I applied and I was accepted, yet I didn't want to be a pastor. Um, I just wanted to grow in my faith, that the Lord was really, um, I, I was about an inch deep and a mile wide in my faith, and I wanted to grow in my understanding of God's Word. At that time, we were leading a small group in our home, which is just outside of Windsor, and there was, uh, in the the, uh, the, we called them flocks at the time. Aren't you glad we got rid of that word? Uh, they weren't community groups, they were flocks. And we, we had a small group that was approaching 70 people. And um, one day um, in PLI, after we started in PLI, um, a man by the name of John Harkis asked me, he said, why don't you start a church? Because you've basically got a church in your home. And my response was, I'm not called to be a pastor. Um, I'm not called to start a church. And, uh, but we said we might consider it if the Lord was would to raise up a pastor who was um, qualified and equipped to lead it. And the Lord did that. He provided a man by the name of Willie O'Burke to lead a new church plant in Windsor that would be called Windsor Community Church. So Nancy and I and our family, we agreed to be a part of this new work in Windsor, part of the core team. And it was not easy for us to leave Mountain View. Uh, we'd been there for five years. No, 2001, we'd been there for seven years. And um, both Nancy and I were baptized there. A couple of our kids were baptized there. Um, some of our closest, dearest relationships were at Mountain View Community Church. But we knew that the Lord was calling us to step out of the boat and to plant a church 
in a small but growing community called Windsor. One Sunday in 2001, our last service there as members, they were commissioning us to go to Windsor and plant a church. And I remember our family was sitting in the equivalent of that row right there, and the worship leader, Vladimir Navarro, had the gall to play a song, I Surrender All. And if you were on that side of the room, all you would hear and see on that side of the room is, is ugly crying and snot and tears everywhere because we, um, we were leaving a church, 15 minutes, mind you, but we were leaving a church and people that we loved to go and follow um, the Lord's leading. As I look back, I realized all that has transpired over the last 22 years. Oftentimes, we can, we can measure time as we look at our kids, right? Um, you know, you've got people say, my goodness, how did your kid get to be 12 years old? Over the last 22 years, when we ventured out, our daughter was 13, Mitch was 11, Joey was 7. Since then, they've all graduated from high school, from college. They've married amazing people, and they've produced um, nine grandchildren for us uh, in the process. And so uh, my prayer for you, uh, my hope for you this morning is that you would pray that they would keep producing grandchildren. <laughs> so when we planted WCC in 2001, I served as a non-vocational elder. Remember my words a couple years earlier that I wasn't called to be a pastor. The heart of man plans his ways, the Lord directs his step. I was non-vocational, I was working a job in finance I was a financial consultant. And then WCC, from that point on, for the next five years, thrived. Many people coming to Christ. Many people joining this church. Four years later, in 2005, I left a successful career in financial services to uh, run a franchise that Nancy and I owned and to uh, start small businesses and to uh, buy real estate. What I didn't know after I left that career, I had my plans, but what I didn't know was that in 2006, WCC was barely out of its adolescent stage, and this church planted a church in Greeley. We sent our lead pastor, Willie, the called one, the equipped one, to Greeley to plant a church in 2006. In March of 2007, through various circumstances, I was thrust into a part-time vocational position in this church. The heart of man plans its ways. The Lord directs his steps. And then in December of 2008, nine months later, I wrote a letter to the other WCC pastors at the time. And that letter included these words. I have thoroughly enjoyed these past nine months and wanted to start a dialogue on plans for 2008. At this time, in 2008, I don't see myself in full-time ministry, mainly because of the obligation I have to Garage Tech, the franchise that we owned. And then I said, please pray that God would find a buyer. However, I would ask you men to consider increasing my hours from 20 to 30. That was in 2008. Well, a few months later, the Lord brought a buyer for Garage Tech, and I was free to follow the Lord's leading into full-time pastoral ministry for a season, just for a season. 
That season lasted until December 31st, 2023. The longest tenure of any interim pastor in the history of mankind. So here I am, I'm standing in front of you today, giving testimony to God's faithfulness and to the joy that we experienced in stepping out of what was familiar into the great unknown called church ministry. We have made many prayer-soaked and thought-out plans where the Lord directed and redirected our steps. Over the last 22 years, from 2001 until December 31st of 2023, we've experienced highs and lows in serving this church and living on mission. We wouldn't trade them for anything. From the bottom of my heart, we wouldn't trade them for anything. Let me recount some of the peaks and valleys that we've experienced over the years that we would have missed if we had held our plans tightly and walked our way instead of the Lord's way. You know, over those years, I've preached close to 500 sermons. I'm sorry. Some of the books that I've taught through are Genesis, Colossians, Jonah, Mark, Acts, Galatians, Habakkuk, Philippians, Micah, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Ecclesiastes, 1st and 2nd Peter, Job, 1st John, James, Esther, 2nd Corinthians, many of the Psalms, and then Luke. Over the years, we've witnessed many, many baptisms, including many of you who are still part of this church. We've watched many of you uh, reluctantly multiply your community groups, and I'm so proud of you uh, for, the, for doing that because I know that many of you had to leave the comfort of your own community group to start a group so that you can welcome others. We've graduated four classes of PLI. Most of the men that went through PLI are serving as pastors in this church, pastors in other network churches, or they're leading in some capacity. We raised up and appointed 11 elders over the years. This one's going to blow you away. You, church family, over those 22 years, have given $8.6 million to this church. And $1.4 million of that went straight to missions. And that doesn't even count the money that was raised for a capital campaign, which was, which was a half a million dollars. And the money that you gave sacrificially to water wells in Burkina Faso and sending mission, uh, missions trips to the Czech Republic. We sent out three church plants, and we've adopted another church. We have sacrificially supported indigenous missionaries in Nigeria and Niger. We have deep relationships and have supported the Mayak Networker churches in the Czech Republic. They started their first church in 2006. They now have 13 churches. One year ago, we sent a dear family to the Middle East to learn the language and to ultimately plant a church where the name of Jesus is not known. We support and engage in many local ministries. The WCC staff has grown from one full-time pastor and a very part-time administrative assistant to the equivalent of five full-time staff members. We survived a tornado, and we were displaced for two and a half years, meeting at RCS uh, Resurrection Christian School. We bought and we sold land. <laughs> we rebuilt this facility, and we expanded it two different times. I performed countless weddings, three of them in our backyard. I've done more funerals than I'd like to remember. 
We've had the opportunity to walk through tough marriages and see the Lord restore and heal those relationships. And we've seen the unfortunate consequences of unrepentant sin in marriages that didn't survive. We've walked through the heart-wrenching process of church discipline of a couple that we loved. We prayed that the Lord would bring in more young families to this church. In 2014, we started praying, and he answered that prayer in spades. We prayed at the same time that the Lord would keep the older generation here and that one day we would have truly a multi-generational church. Has anybody looked around lately? COVID and the presidential elections brought deep divisions in Christ's church around the world, and WCC was not immune from all that tension. And as a result, we lost some very dear families over COVID. One of the hardest parts of pastoral ministry is getting close to people. And seeing them leave. Personally, I started seeing a counselor during that period. On the other hand, many of you found WCC as a result of COVID, and we praise God for that. The Lord in his providence introduced me to three men over the last three and a half years that would give me the freedom and the peace to step aside and pursue what God has for me next. And those three men are Chase and Chad and Josh, three men that we didn't know as a church three and a half years ago. I praise God for that. Over these years, I've, I've, I've grown in my faith. I've grown in my knowledge of the word along with you. I very much have grown up as this church has grown up. And now I want to encourage you with what the defining mark of a healthy church is. And maybe just pause for a minute and guess what that defining mark might be. The defining mark of a healthy church. It's love. It's not right belief. The devil has right belief. It's not passionate or religious zeal. It's not even sound teaching, even though that's important. It's not spiritual gifts, because gifts without love is like a clinging symbol. Listen to these familiar words from Jesus in Matthew 22. A teacher of the law was asked Jesus, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this love that Jesus refers to is agape love. Agape love is a give love that gives sacrificially without expecting anything in return. It's an agape love that lays its life down for others, even for their enemies. It's a sacrificial love that desires the good of others over our own good. Agape is complete, self-sufficient. It has no wants or needs to satisfy other than it desires to see others loved. Agape love gives with no strings attached. In this agape love, it's not dependent upon one's feelings. And it's not dependent upon the other person being lovable or even likable. And don't miss this, it's compelled 
by the love of Christ. That we love because we have first been loved. We fulfill the great and first commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength by carrying out the second. If you ask, well, how do I love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength? Well, I tell you, it's by loving your neighbor more than you love yourself. It's by exercising cross-centered, sacrificial, give love. The mark of a healthy church is cross-shaped love. So I want to charge you, church family, and this will continue to be our church family. I can't wait to see what the Lord has for this church as members of this church. So I want to charge you, church family, to walk in love, love for one another, love for those outside this church, including those who deny the faith in Jesus, their faith, deny faith in Jesus with their words and with their actions. Let me just give you some high-level um, uh, just thoughts, ideas on what love in the church looks like. Weep when others weep. Rejoice when others rejoice. It's interesting that Josh read from Romans 12. That's where that encouragement is from. Bear one another's burdens. In order to bear one another's burdens, we actually need to know what their burdens are, and we need to care for them. Confess sin to one another. Forgive one another. The Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, it says, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. And that peace that he's talking about is a peace, a reconciliation peace. And reconciliation happens when we confess our sin and when we forgive others of their sin. So let's love by confessing and forgiving Let's love one another by reminding one another to stand in the gospel. The gospel isn't something that we hear and believe and we move past, but the gospel is something to stand in daily. Church, stay united around the main thing. There's so much noise in our culture. There are so many secondary and tertiary um, things that cause us to lose sight of the main thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, learn to dialogue with one another, not debate. Dialogue seeks to understand rather than being seek to understand. Dialogue is seeking to understand the other person rather than seeking to be understood. Let's learn to dialogue well and not debate the non-essentials. This is something that the Lord has really pressed into my heart this year, is that... um, I can have very quick opinions, and I can be quick to judge others. But instead of being quick to judge, let's be quick to be curious with care. Why is it that you feel that way? How did you come to that understanding and belief? Rather than just blasting people, let's walk with care and curiosity. Be known by others. That takes vulnerability. I'm not the most vulnerable guy at times. I'm transparent, but I'm not vulnerable. And vulnerable means putting yourselves in a position of risk, risk of being judged. Let other people know your dreams, your joys, your desires, your fears, your hopes. Live in deep, transparent 
community where people know you. And brothers and sisters, we're all in process, are we not? Give grace to one another. It's about direction, not perfection. So help remind one another that we are on a sure path, that God has us. He's going to bring us all the way home. And then last, pray for one another. And then I want to give you an encouragement to love those outside the church. This is a little bit harder. Love those outside the church that God has providentially put in your path. Love them with no strings attached. It doesn't mean you need to agree with them. We confuse that at times. Like, how do we love people that we disagree with? Jesus loved us when we were yet enemies. Love people outside the church in word and in deed. Don't just blast them with the gospel. Serve their temporal needs. Don't just serve their temporal needs. Pray that the Lord would open a door for a way of the gospel. John Piper said that, that God cares about the needs, all the needs of people, especially their, their, their eternal need. Love in word and deed. Care about all living. The church has become a one-issue church, not just this church, the big church. Care about all people from womb to tomb. Care about the unborn. Care for the elderly. And when I mean care, like serve them. Care about those who are in prison. Care about the immigrant. Care about people from womb to tomb. Let's not be a one-issue church. Care about the marginalized. Care about those who are underprivileged. Care more about your gospel witness than you do about your candidate getting elected. Care more about your gospel witness than you do about gun rights. Walk in humility towards those who oppose your faith. Understand that you are just as guilty before a holy God as they are. The only difference is, is that you have been forgiven. That your sins have been forgiven. That you've been set free. So walk in humility towards outsiders who oppose the faith. Build friendships with those who are far from Jesus. And then finally, seek the welfare of our community. Don't seek your welfare or even the welfare of this church. Seek the welfare of others. And then I want to give you some, um, just a list of gospel disciplines. And this is going way faster than I thought it would. Maybe I can slow down here. Continually ask the Lord. These are the words from Henry Blackaby from his, um, uh, from his famous Bible study. Um, what was the study called? What? Desiring, not desiring God. Experiencing God. So we should desire him and we should experience him. Lord, what are you up to? And how do you want me to respond? D daily prayer. God, what are you up to today? And how do you want me to respond? Little things. When people sin against you. When trials come. When opportunities present themselves. 
Lord, what are you doing here? And how do you want me to respond? Knowing that the heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So we ask that prayer. We pray that prayer continually. Next is get out of the boat. Uh, The boat that I'm talking about here is the the comfortable Christian bubble. where, Where nobody knows us, where we have a happy, clappy face. We have no relationships with people outside. We're trying to protect um, everything that's right here, yet the Lord is, is, is trying to move us outside our comfort, like, like Peter stepping on the water. He's telling us to get out of the boat. So don't do it flippantly. Don't do it without prayer. Don't do it without the counsel of, of, of uh, wise counselors. Uh, but get out of the boat when you sense Jesus telling you to get out of the bo- boat. Next, memento mori. Set up my office at home. A couple of the first things I got up there, I've got my two skulls uh, staring at me from the bookshelf, and I've got the sign uh, that uh, Emily Shelton made for me, uh, Memento Mori. And Memento Mori means remember death. Remember that this life is short. It's fleeting. I've got a poster on my wall that I, um, that I ordered from a website called um, 4K Weeks. Have we talked about this before? 4K Weeks. And you put your birth date in the website, and it tells you how many weeks you've lived so far. And then it tells you, based on your average life expectancy, how many weeks you have left. Sounds dangerous. Count me in. And you can order an optimistic version, which is living to 100, which I did. Just because there were too few dots if I didn't do that. And 4K weeks means that the average life expectancy from birth, from womb to tomb, is about 4,000 weeks. So I've got that on my wall, marking off each week to remind me that life is short. I think it's Psalm 92 where David says, um, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might gain a heart of wisdom. Memento mori. You see, when we live that way with the reality that Jesus died and 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 he rose from the death and he reigns, and that our life on on this rock called earth is temporary and we have a forever home, waiting for us, where there's no more sin or death or suffering. Yet there's work to do. There's love to be given out and people to be served. And when I know that my time is limited, it it compels me to live today like there's no tomorrow. Momento, momento mori. Live in love like there's no tomorrow. This is a Tim Keller quote, you are more sinful than you know, yet more loved than you can ever imagine. Hang on to those twin truths, that you are more sinful than you know, yet you are more loved than you can imagine. Walk in humility, thinking of yourself less. Don't think less of yourself, but walk in humility by thinking of yourself Less. Be known by others. I can't 
overstate this, brothers and sisters. We have something in this church called community groups. I think there's 17 or 18 community groups. And I want to remind you that those are, those are good things and they're environments that were established by the pastors because we know all of our propensity is to go Lone Ranger and not connect with people. So we establish community groups. But I got to tell you that they're, they're not the end. They're not the end. Community groups, if anything, are a launching pad to deeper, more vulnerable relationships. Um, be known. Um, let... Let other people know your, uh, your, where you're tempted, um, your propensity to sin, so that they can pray for you, so they can ask how you're doing. Let them know your, your dreams and your desires and your hope. Let them know when you're weeping. Let them know when you're rejoicing so that they can enter in. That's the body of Christ. Be known, brothers and sisters, by others. Engage with others with, uh, with care and curiosity. The pastors know this, that this has a, been a big one for me this last year, and I'm, I have yet to, to perfect it. But I so desire to operate with my wife, with my adult kids, my neighbors, people I'm going to be coaching, this body. I want to operate with care and curiosity. I want to be able to ask questions. How are you doing? What's going on in your heart to make you respond that way rather than just blasting somebody because they might have blasted me? That what, 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 what comes out of our mouth, is, it's in our heart, the scripture says. So, so like, let's, let's dig into one another's heart. Let's be curious as to what's going on. Galatians 6, I think it's Galatians 6, says that, um, um, that you who are spiritual... No, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore them with gentleness. Be curious as to how people are stuck and help them get unstuck. Be quick to confess. Be the, be the lead confessor in your family. Be the lead confessor in your relationships. Confess your wrong, even if the other person might be, have a greater wrong. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Give in love sacrificially. Continue to give to this church sacrificially. Uh, give of your time and your talents and your resources. God doesn't need them, but there's a joy that comes from giving and participating in that way and what he's doing. Love sacrificially. Love others when they're unlovable even when it's hard to even like them. Be thankful. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, be thankful in all things and all the time. All things and all the time. And we can only do that when we understand that God is good and he is loving and he is sovereign. And anything that comes our way, it passes through his hand. And therefore, we can be thankful always and in everything. Next is focus on direction, not perfection. I can't tell you how, carth what's the word, how healing that is to my soul to remember that it's not perfection, it's about direction. That even in my imperfections, that God has me on a sure direction. That he's, my sins are forgiven, 
I have his spirit that gives me the strength to say no to sin, to be able to love others when they're unlovable, and to know that he's going he's gonna to pick me back up right after I fall. Focus on direction, not perfection. And then I want to close with this encouragement is uh, this last gospel discipline. It's uh, pray for your pastors. Um, you've got five amazing men. You've got John Cuppinger, Jake Pence. You've got Stephen Atherton, Chad Barlow, Josh Bruffel. And the, the role and job of a pastor is a hard one. And these men take it seriously. And they understand that the Lord Jesus is the chief shepherd, but they're under shepherds that have, been, that have been commissioned by the Lord himself to shepherd and guide this church. And the enemy is, is, is attacking all the time behind the scenes. And would you pray for them? Pray that the Lord would give them unique wisdom. Pray the Lord would remind them of their identity in Christ, that their primary identity isn't that of a pastor or even a husband or even if it's a dad, that their primary identity is sons of the living God and that they would minister um, out of that sonship. So pray for them. Um, I have all the confidence in the world in these five guys, and I joyfully and willingly submit myself um, as a member of this church to their leadership. And, um, you know, there's going to be... Um, they're, they're imperfect, just like I was an imperfect leader, uh, but they um, follow a very perfect God. And you might ask, what's next for Nancy and me? Well, we're going to Disneyland. We're not going to Disneyland. Like, that would be like putting a fork in my eye. <laughs> my wife wants to go on a Disney cruise with our grandkids, and I told her I'm busy that week. I don't even know when it is, but I'm busy that week. Like, I can't imagine anything worse than being stuck on a boat with Mickey and Goofy and like nine grandkids and trying to keep them from jumping off the boat and my grandson, you know, wanting to shoot trap um, over the swimming pool. It just doesn't sound really fun. But anyway, we're not going to. Um, I will be part-time staff at this church, uh, non-pastoral staff, um, 10 to 12 hours a week. Um, and my areas of oversight will be uh, the missions advisory team. Um, uh, get to serve along a, a really awesome team, Missions Advisory. Um, second is is uh, community groups. So I'll be helping the, helping the pastors, come underneath the pastors to establish a coaching model um, for our uh, dear um, uh, community group leaders. And so I'll be doing that. And then third is is, um, is establishing a team of, I'll call them uh, crisis counselors. Um, even though we're not supposed to use counselors as a term, we're not, we're not professional counselors here, but to really... Uh, uh, build a team in this church that is, willy, that is uh, willing, able, and trained to come alongside couples and individuals that are, that are stuck. They're stuck in their marriages. Uh, they're stuck in their relationship with the Lord. Um, so those are the three areas. Um, I'll also, um, yeah, thanks for those slides. I forgot I had slides. Thanks for putting those up. Um, next, I'll be serving, uh, really where I've served since 2006, is the, the director of the Crossway Networker Church's um, um, Rocky Mountain region. Um, and I'll be uh, paid a little bit for that. So it'll be 10 to 12 hours. We have uh, seven churches in Colorado right now, which is really the Rocky Mountain region, and uh, we've got several adoptions that are on the horizon down in Denver, and, um, uh, and so I'll be, I'll be continuing to lead that effort. And then finally, I'll be starting a uh, coaching practice, and um, you see my little logo up there, uh, Direction Not Perfection, with the uh, arrow pointed from... Uh, bottom left to top right. And um, my passion at this stage of life is to continue to engage in what God is doing. 
but really to come alongside men, um, men that are uh, men of influence um, in the marketplace, um, and men who uh, want to thrive uh, spiritually. They want to thrive in their key relationships that the Lord has brought to them. They want to thrive physically, and they want to th- thrive in their gifts, uh, the creative and the way the Lord has made them. And um, I've joined an organization um, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, um, because it's in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. No, because it's a really good organization called Five Capitals. And, um, and if you know anything about business, when you think about capital, um, you'll think about money. Uh, well, the, the five capitals that they coach around are uh, spiritual, relational, physical, um, creative, or, or giftedness, and then the last is financial. So I'll be doing that, and um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Um, so I want you to know, church family, it has been a joy to be one of your pastors over the last 22 years. Um, we're not going anywhere unless we get kicked out, and uh, we love this church. Uh, we love uh, our Lord Jesus, and we love what he has done here and what I know he's going to continue to do that will far exceed whatever legacy that I had. So to him, continue to be the praise, the honor, and the glory forevermore. Uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we thank you for, um, I thank you, God, just for this um, opportunity to uh, just declare um, and reminisce, reminisce upon your faithfulness to me and my family and to this church and and uh, Lord all the uh, twists and turns and the ups and downs and the uh, that uh, that have occurred in the life of this church yet Lord you've been faithful all the way through it you've been building your church and um, God I pray that you would continue to do that I do pray for the other pastors God that they would continue to um, to submit themselves to uh, you uh, to one another uh, that they would uh, walk with open hands as they make plans for this church and shepherd this church. And Lord, I pray that uh, many people would come to know King Jesus through uh, the ministry of Windsor Community Church. God, I pray that you would protect us in 2024 from all the um, outside things that uh, the enemy would like to use to take our eye off of what's primary and to distract us. I pray for continued unity around the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for deepening relationships um, with those who call this place home. So God, I love you. I thank you for loving me and for the opportunity to serve you in this capacity over the years. And uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.